Good morning, everybody. Half past seven in the morning on a Monday. Cup of old grey being slurped. Too many coffees in bed. Been awake since six. Right, how are we getting on with this? How's everybody? No introductions, straight in. Here's a kayaking podcast. So if you've tuned in today to listen to some talk about sourdough bread, it's not going to happen. So tune in today to listen to me talk about TikTok, not going to happen. We're going to talk about whitewater kayaking. I was reminded this weekend of a statement a friend of mine made about 10 years ago. A friend of mine lives in the States. I called it Andy Round, Andy Rounders. Very, very smooth, accomplished kayaker. And he once said to me, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And it took me quite a while to understand what he meant by that. Excuse me, but I've been watching people paddling this weekend. (coughs) Numbers of people paddling this weekend. And I see people, and I'm not saying I'm immune to this, but I see people putting panic strokes in. You know those little tweaky strokes that are like not thoughtful? The strokes are there to do a job, and a toolbox of skills allows us to put that blade in and it sort of <clears throat> tweaks our position a little but it knackers our cadence excuse me oh it sort of distracts from our smooth nature when we begin kayaking white water we put quite a lot of what is often referred to as Duracell bunny strokes in. And it's, you know, been happening for years, because it happened when I was a kid, where the lead of the trip would say, just paddle fast, paddle fast, paddle fast, paddle fast. And it still happens. And I'm not against that, because a blade in the water is better than a blade out of the water. And forward momentum is better than no momentum. You know, it's a good building block, it's a good foundation. But, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. If you watch accomplished kayakers, every stroke they put in matters. And it matters to the way the boat moves and it matters to their all-round general style. Watch Sickline, for example, which is called something else now. <clears throat> but watch video clips of that and you can see athletes' paddle placements and how it matters. With that in mind, how many of us, as a general paddling population, think about our paddle stroke, our forward stroke in three phases? How many of us look at that stroke and think, I have the first part of my stroke 
sort of near, near my toes somewhere and it comes just close to my my knee area, <coughs> my cockpit area. And there's a middle bit, which is like the cockpit a bit. And then there's a sort of tail end of the stroke, which comes down the back of the boat. How many of you think of that as like, that's a complete stroke really? But we only really use one and two. If at all using the back end of two, lots of paddlers tend to use one. One, 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 one. Loads of ones. Loads and loads of ones, which sort of leaves the back of the boat sort of wafting about a bit, in my opinion. Because the back of the boat is where all the rails are, and it's where your backside sits. And it's probably where you've got quite a chunk of weight in the back if you've got a boat full of, you know, take-apart paddles and first aid kits and all that stuff. So there's probably a bit of weight in the back as well. And if we sort of negate that with our stroke and just do it like at the front all the time, <clears throat> how does that affect how we paddle? Now, I'm, I'm not saying there's a right answer to this, and I'm sure there is a right answer to this that somebody else is going to point out to me. But for me, I'm not convinced there is. Do a bit of ogre there, there. Because I think we do all paddle differently. I'm sure there's textbook ways to paddle. There's ways that have been shown <coughs> that work for a demographic of paddlers. Those that are of a certain build with certain ape indexes of certain paddles and certain boats in certain conditions with certain athletic capabilities. And then there are strokes that work for the rest of us. And they're probably all different. The strokes that work for somebody that paddles once a month or once every two months are going to be different from the strokes that work for somebody that paddles every day. And whilst people that paddle once every two months can try to attain that level of stroke awareness, if you're not paddling every day, it's just not going to happen. Because you've got to put the time in. Because time after time after time, we need to have these foundations. And it takes a lot out of us. It takes a lot out of our lives to be that accomplished and this accomplished. So, <clears throat> I've seen lots of people, like I said, this weekend. Probably I've seen 200 people paddle past me. One thing I've noticed is the people in the more modern, highly rocked boats, even on easier water, some people struggle with lifting the front of their boat, even with a highly rocked boat. And they're coming to eddy line, over eddy lines, or they're coming over wave trains or through holes, and they still plough. They lean forward, which is active, active blade, I get that. And their boat ploughs across the eddy line, or ploughs across that little hole. They don't lift the knees to the chest, even in a small fashion, to allow the water to go under the boat. And because of that, it wobbles them on the eddy line. Or it wobbles them as they come through the wave train. And I've seen a few paddlers do that. I've seen lots and lots of paddlers <laughs> that do lift up over those things. If we can suggest that the flow and the eddy line, the flow and the eddy, the eddy line in the middle, if we can suggest that there's a bit of rope at water level, and the idea when you're crossing that, whether it be eddy to flow or flow to eddy, 
is that you've got to get the rope under the boat. Not all, not like plowing to it, because you're plowing to it, the rope's going to get tangled around your waist. But take the rope away, because we don't have ropes in rivers. And you see it happen with a lot of people. I was going to apologise for slipping the old grey, but I'm not really, because you know me, I'm, the podcast never polished. <clears throat> right, so let's move on from that. Cracking weekend, amazing weekend. Saw some people that really stepped up to do stuff on a river that they've never done before. And that is absolutely amazing. Because I've got to keep an eye out on people that I see uh, time after time on rivers. And it's nice to see them stepping up and doing stuff. It's nice to see people asking questions of the paddlers. How do you do that? Why do you do that? And getting the advice. Because we don't know what we don't know, do we? You know, ignorance, people say, is bliss. But we only have ignorance to stuff that we actually have a comprehension of. Because there's a lot of the things that happen in kayaking, and in the life in general, in our adult lives, that we have no understanding of. But we don't know how to ask the questions to get the understanding of it, because we wouldn't know where to start. You know, we don't know what we don't know. So it's really nice to see people asking those questions and delving a little deeper. And it's a little bit like a magical sort of geocache trail, isn't it? When you do that. Because you'll meet somebody and they'll make an eddy look really smooth. So you'll ask them how they do it. And they give you the, how they do it. <clears throat> so you try it. And it doesn't really work for you. But then you look at their them and their physique is different to yours and their boat's different to yours. Their blades are different to yours. Their number of years paddling is different to yours. The style of water they paddle is different to the style of water you paddle. You're carrying all these vulnerabilities because you've driven for nine hours to get to the river or you've stayed overnight and have got a cracking hangover or whatever. <clears throat> but anyway, you pick up little tidbits like a geocache. But you make it. And then you ask somebody else how they do it because you've seen somebody else. And they give you advice and it differs from the first person. But you pick a little bit out of that geocache as well. And you continue and you continue. And over time, you collect all this geocache stuff. And you might give some stuff back. Somebody might ask you how you do it. Because I like the way you do it. And although you might feel that, you know, you're like a weeble wobbling down the river, somebody might see you and think you look smooth. Or fast. Because we know smooth is fast. So you, you pass on a little tidbit of information that works for you. <clears throat> and that's a magical journey, isn't it? It's very magical. Shared knowledge. One problem that comes with shared knowledge, and I've mentioned it before and I'll mention it again, is I don't know at what point in history this happened, but it happened more regularly now. Strangers meet strangers on the river in car parks. Strangers agree to paddle with strangers. That's a really tricky dynamic. How do we gauge somebody we've never met in a lay-by? How do we gauge their ability? I've met people in lay-bys that have wanted to paddle with me. And sometimes I've agreed and sometimes I haven't. Excuse me. Do people meet people in lay-by thinking, <clears throat> I can rescue these, or 
they can rescue me. Is that a consideration? Do we meet people in labour hires going, I'm going to learn from these, they're going to learn from me? Do we meet people in labour hires and strangers in labour hires and go, I can look after myself and the random person that I have no knowledge of. My risk assessment for this, I can mitigate against any issues. You don't know these strangers. They could be, you know, <clears throat> ridiculously good, ridiculously bad. They could have medical conditions that they're not telling you about. Yeah? They could have just bought all the gear that morning. They could have gear that's 20 years old. They've not been in a boat for 20 years. But when they're talking in the lay-by, you're doing your shuttle, and they're saying, yeah, I've paddled this before. You don't ask those delving questions. And I don't quite know when this happened, because it happens a lot. It happens with regularity. I see it happen more and more on rivers that are paddled more frequently. So dam release rivers, I see it happen loads on dam release. And when I say dam release, I also, you know, pumped releases. So you like Tees Barrage, Lee Valley, uh, Pierpoint, Terrain, Tummel. See it happen loads on those rivers, strangers meeting strangers. The D, although it's not pumped, it happens loads on the D. Strangers meeting strangers. Every Thursday or Friday, there's always comments on social media. I'm coming to Wales, or I'm going to Nottingham this weekend, or I'm going to Hurley this weekend. <clears throat> I've never been before. Can I meet somebody who can show me around? That's a stranger asking strangers on the internet to join them. Quite interesting to think how that works, you know, how we, we, we value that peer interaction. Something to consider for Monday morning post-paddle. How many of you post-paddle this weekend? If you paddle this weekend, if you haven't paddle this weekend, then it's not the end of the world, is it? Mm. Excuse me. How many of us post-paddle Monday morning, start drinking El Grey, are now thinking of next weekend, of our next fix, or our midweek paddle session, or, you know, today's paddle session. Our next fix. I've mentioned this before. It is another fix. It's like an addiction. We crawl into that sort of underworld. We may have spent the Saturday night or the Sunday night looking at socials, looking at equipment shops online. Because we've worn a cag and it's a bit getting a bit tired, a bit leaky, so we're looking for a new one. It's not quite dead yet, but we're looking around. We've seen somebody in a different boat that we quite fancy. We've demoed a boat. Oof, we might buy that, but we don't want to buy it from the place we demoed because it's a little bit more expensive than the place on the internet. So like, like a drug addict, we're scouring around for a new dealer, you know. <laughs> we're trying that new, uh, that new street drug a little bit. You know, we've got this one and that's working all right, but we want a bit of kick. So we're going to go to a different little way, sort of advancing. <laughs> Obviously, it's all folly because I, I understand why people do it because it's about personal challenge and we're moving from flat water to class two to class three and so on and so on. I get that. We've seen our friends trying to make a light of it. But the point I'm trying to talk about today really is, is building blocks, I think. Uh, it's a long-winded way around it. But building blocks. 
get those strokes in, the forward stroke, the forward stroke's the most important stroke on the planet, without a doubt. I mean, when I learned to paddle, we were backstroking down rivers to slow ourselves down. So you don't see that much anymore, which is a good thing. Active blade in the water. No, he's taking your blade out and screaming like a banshee, which people do. I mean, I had somebody uh, on a TV show I did asking me to come off a drop and then put my arms up and yell as I went off the drop. Uh, and I refused uh, for the, the reason that it's not good technique and it looks appalling to <coughs> for your body. Like, not don't look appalling to your body, it's, it's appalling to your body. Because it takes you off balance and it can dislocate your shoulders and all that malarkey. Hence why now we tend to lean forward and hug our boats on big drops or launch our paddles away so they get snapped over our chest. With that said, I hope people have got plans to explore. I've quite enjoyed not being in Britain, uh, not being in Britain, not being abroad because of COVID lockdowns. So, I've quite enjoyed the. Uh, no flights and all that and it's important for the it's been really important for the environment and when i've chatted to paddlers about flying abroad and some people are flying and it surprises me because a lot of my friends that are international explorers and paddlers that paddle around the world for 20 30 years lots of them have said now's not the time now is not the time to travel now's the time to sit and wait and that's okay Right, you have a great week, everyone. If you're paddling today, have a great day. If you're paddling tomorrow, have a great day. If you're not paddling at all this week or next week or week after or week after week, have a great day anyway. You know, have some old girl like I have. I've just realised I've left my tea bag in. Right, have a cracking one. Thanks for listening. You know the drill. Comments where they're needed and all that. Right, toodle pips. <laughs>